0: we mm-hmm. Assault. Uh, It's been a year and we are starting back up. That intro you just heard was created specifically for this podcast by Kevin Spears of the Free Music Party. That'll be our official theme song. I have the rights to it, I own it, but it wasn't made by me. I'm not that cool. Pass Assault, everybody's favorite casual conversation, low effort podcast. I'm your host, Max Cambria. With me today, Not, who was previously on many episodes, John Peroni. He is no longer with the podcast. We're still friends. Nothing happened. But with me today, Owen Shannon, one of the founding fathers of my podcast, Adventure.
1: Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, I mean, we started this podcast. We did. If you recall. Those episodes,
0: I'm pretty sure, are still on YouTube somewhere. Are they? I I was actually
1: wondering. I don't know. I'll have to look. I don't have that sign-in anymore. Oh, I can sign-in. I can sign-in. Can you? Because uh, I was actually curious the other day. I do want to, like, watch an old episode back when that was a video podcast. I mean, we were, like, sophomores in college.
0: Yeah. No, that was in my basement. It was dark. It was – I mean, it wasn't – yeah, it was actually – it was kind of dark. Uh, We had those, like – basic amazon lights it was very uh that was that was really in the trenches
1: yeah we also had no idea what the show was at all
0: none but there's a tony episode
1: in there i would like to see all right i am on our youtube
0: i've subscribed to you somehow thank you (laughs) i don't remember doing that uh our videos
1: i'm pretty sure i tried to uh to see if i still had the sign in for this stuff randomly but you changed all the passwords no you didn't? No. I, I swear you it. did. I, I can't. I
0: have not changed the passwords.
1: Oh, then I don't know them anymore. Okay. No. We are
0: giving a hacker like a
1: backdoor here. <laughs> all, I see all of our videos. They're at We've least done. unlisted, right? Oh, they're unlisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But if you want me to list one or send you one, I can. All the way. So I, Yeah. Does Sean Spicer deserve redemption? Pa-
1: <laughs> pass the salt number. What is that? Five? Five? Yeah, Boy, that's a that's a pretty serious our thumbnail
0: game was seriously good though for what was we it were. i love our thumbnails with the banner and the logo the old logo sweet oh the college room horror stories with the poop college. in the shower poop in the shower yeah. yes you're yeah. right yeah. elise was on that episode? shout out elise grico wow grico um all right so yeah yeah so I guess I'm just going to do a really try to keep it really short, a shortened version of like where past assault is, where it's going. Started with Owen here. We just talked about that shifted to John. When I lived with him, he was more accessible. Owen had stuff going on. Went through John, got him really into podcasting. I the last time I spoke, I talked about a video podcast Uh, and 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 we were. We were on the way. The train had already left the station on that idea. I downloaded software. I was prepared to use my Canon as a webcam because you can do that now. 1080, which is fine. That's fine for starting out. We don't need 4K. And I didn't care if like the batteries obviously like wore down from using it for an hour straight yeah. once a week. John spent money, more money than I make in a single paycheck, on converting the back room of his barber shop to a recording studio i took measurements i put tape on the ground to where i was putting my tripod that's how far we were i was ready owen and then john got into wood and once you get into wood you're into wood forever and so he with his schedule you know he wants to make more money this year more haircuts he just decided that it would be best if he was only on as a like every now and then guests are just like i'm be- I'm here still i'm alive still um so now past assault moving forward will be a rotation of various people i feel like if you're listening to this you will definitely see faces multiple times for example i expect owen will probably make multiple appearances indefinitely as long as i'm running this or as long as this is a thing um john will probably be somebody less frequent than owen i imagine, but He won't just do one episode. My friend Tony, who has an episode coming out. And then also in there, I'm going to hopefully intersperse people who are doing interesting things. And, you know, well, everybody's doing interesting things, I think. But people that I maybe am not so connected to, like you. yeah, More like, like I was talking to this guy, Jeff, last night, who is the mind behind this group in buffalo called satellite of love i'm hoping to have him on he wants to be on he's a a dj in the house scene which is surprisingly really strong in buffalo so there's 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 past assault that's it i i got that out of the way we're gonna we're gonna move forward
1: i mean we can first episode back we can poke and prod at this a little bit poke and prod we just talked about how when we started this podcast had no idea what it was None. and then you and john found out that it's pretty much like i mean it's a hangout podcast i guess like Which, what what have you been doing with your weekend that type of podcast is that what you're still trying to go down
0: yeah it's everybody's favorite casual conversation low effort podcast it'll be low effort until i decide it's not low effort anymore i want everybody to know that and hosted in buffalo new york that's what it is here's the thing it is 2022 february we started this i'll tell you the youtube's still open the last video or the first video and then i'll just go a few weeks before that because i think that i said that first one was number five our first video we started out as audio 17 it has been five years so now everybody knows it's a low effort podcast five (laughs) years and we've only done 59 episodes that's really sad however that one was number five. So yeah, it was twenty seventeen. That was our freshman year in
1: college. Where were we recording before Headley? Um, oh, that's a great question. I don't know. I that was when we
0: still had a blog. So that means we were meeting in Amherst with your friend Peter. Well, but we hometown. were not recording there. No, but we were meeting there and recording
1: in your dorm. Did we ever have it? be audio only we turned it into audio only after a little while but did we start out as a video podcast I think we might have started at Headley yeah because we might have my first podcast effort ever was uh, my solo sports podcast the NARPCAST I'm right, pretty cringy you do
0: that in your dorm
1: I did that in my dorm and I did like 8 episodes of that all on SoundCloud I don't even know if that still exists. Why?
0: Why is t- September twenty first? So we okay. So we posted it on September twenty first, twenty seventeen. That's the beginning of our sophomore year. So we, you were at Headley. I was at Headley because the summer of sixteen. No, we graduated in May of sixteen.
1: Yeah. And then September Freshman, of oh twenty seventeen yeah. is yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. sophomore. Okay. So yeah. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have no conception of time anymore. All right. So. Yeah, so we started when I moved out. I had that basement. I put a lot of time into that basement, obviously, to get it ready for college-style party events. But, obviously, I wanted to get the most use out of it. That's why I was putting effort into it. Now it all makes sense.
1: So, uh, have you ever thought – have you ever heard of the podcast, Podcast But Outside? Yes. One of my uh,
0: streamers that I like, Lyle. Shout out Lyle, Gecko, um, Lyle Forever. Uh, therapy gecko for those who know him did a podcast with them really in washington dc in front of i don't think it was the white house i think it was just like in the mall somewhere
1: i think that's a that's a great idea and it's the type of idea that would fit past assault but obviously there's a lot of work behind that
0: i don't i'm not super familiar with them i'm gonna have to listen to some of their podcasts i want to see does it sound like it's outside
1: um yes to some extent but they their microphones work. I mean, and, you hear them most yeah. prominently.
0: I Have you ever been somewhere where they're recording a live podcast? No. I have. Really? I went to the Buffalo Comic Con with Tony. And uh, that sentence is cringy. And uh, there was somebody – it was just like there was a bunch of booths or whatever and somebody got a booth space. But instead of like selling comics or showing off things, they were just like a table. They were just doing a podcast just two guys talking and they were like kind of live announcing the comic-con which was weird because it's the buffalo comic-con does not have like a oh it's 3 p.m move towards the stage because lou ferrigno is gonna be taking it like it's not like there are special guests actually lou ferrigno wasn't at this one but i know he was at in buffalo Mm comic-con but uh they don't so it was strange they don't like do an official kind of itinerary there's literally a room of people
1: playing video games I didn't know that you ever
0: uh, went to a convention like that. Yeah, one of the pictures I'm not allowed to to let people see because Tony's worried it'll impact his future is we took a picture me and him together in the Batmobile from like the Adam West Batman. So I have that in the vault of somewhere. Why like would that, that hurt his future? I don't know, you know, he just, you know, he doesn't want people to think that he's, you know, too like you know into Batman I guess I don't know it's Tony I I respect his requests well people will understand when they have him on we'll we'll ask him
1: well that's ask fair him. that's fair um yeah those convention things I I mean I'm a gamer I make fucking gaming YouTube videos and I look at conventions and just think like that's too much that's too much for me I can't do that
0: well what about what are your thoughts on conventions moving to online like
1: E3 for example has been online the past couple of years E3 is actually about to be dead, like dead, dead. Really? Yes. Because, I mean, all it is now is that every company just makes their own, like, hour-long marketing promotion. And then, yeah. and then you watch that. Like, that's not a convention. That's just, it's like a, uploading a press conference, pretty much. And
0: then the YouTubers or bloggers or vloggers take what they saw and make an eight-minute video. About their highlights. It's like a content
1: cascade. And then their thumbnail is them making the most exaggerated face you've ever seen. I can't fucking believe it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, or even the calmer
0: ones, the calmer ones, they'll have this exaggerated face. It'll be like, I sat down and watched the entire Nintendo event. You won't believe what's coming. (laughs) And then like you click it and it's like the next Pokemon game. Like, yeah, we, we know.
1: Yeah, it's always something you already knew. I actually saw this uh, TikTok recently from this girl her Her name on TikTok is Slow Puke. She does a really good Marge Simpson impression. Oh, okay. okay, I can get down with that. And she just made a random video that was like reacting to the Fairly Odd Parents theme song for the first time, and it's just like the cringiest. Like she's just watching it. He falls in a puddle, and she's like, "Oh, oh, oh my god! Can't believe that!" Like. I don't know how people watch this shit. I can't do it. Yeah, well, it's YouTuber culture. It's Yeah, that is weird. I don't know.
0: You know, you can I can watch a YouTuber like the YouTubers that I find myself watching are not the like I'm I'm consuming content you're watching my reaction YouTubers. It's it's they're the informative ones, like Same. camera tutorial guys or this is how you do this or blah blah blah. Not like I'm doing something and talking about something else. For example, I'm doing my makeup. So I guess it is kind of informative because you can see how they're doing their makeup, but talking about like true crime.
1: So you're, or I'm, you're kind of specifically saying you're not into like vloggier style, I guess. Yeah.
0: Or yeah, I'm definitely not into vloggier style. I, me watching somebody else, how they live their life is just going to make me think to myself that I need to achieve what they're achieving. Right? Obviously, I'm older, so i I I'm meta on that thought. I understand how that works. But younger kids, for the example. The wisdom of a 24-year-old. Right. But, like, <laughs> you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up. They did a survey. Most of them said YouTubers. Yeah. So they're watching these vlog-style things, and they're like, I want to live that way. And then they do it. I don't they
1: know. try. Sometimes I go through a little bit of a crisis with what I do on YouTube because – I hate the idea of like, oh, I'm I'm aiming to become a YouTuber because the way I think of it is I went to school for journalism and I wanted to be able to make content like this essentially. Right. And I've more just taken the approach that YouTube is the biggest platform. If I could somehow succeed independently, that would be my ideal goal. And I'm just using that platform more so as a means to an end because that's where people are. I could be doing what I'm doing on someone's website, getting paid by them, but
0: yeah, or your own website, right? Yeah, like you but, could try that route.
1: But that's like not realistic because people go to YouTube to watch video.
0: Yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, social media is is centralized. People, there's the the big social media companies have a lot of users. Why try and you would essentially have to create your own audience, like or completely from nothing. Where YouTube yeah. at least. You can hit the algorithm, the broken algorithm. Exactly. You can, like, I'll see a video from somebody that only has, like, 300 views, but it's their title hit that algorithm. The topic they're talking about hit one of my, like, interests. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, YouTube does help a little bit
1: for sure. That's why I wanted to get this podcast on YouTube. But, uh, you, you know, you know what you don't want to hear. I think it's what, I know it's what you don't want to hear, but I also think it's what needs to be done. Because I'm I, I host a different podcast and I'm working. What's on What's the podcast right called? Uh, BNY Gaming Podcast. BNY Gaming Podcast. But um, I think TikTok clips is the way to go. I think I think that's the the current you know way to promote a <laughs> podcast. That's how I know what podcast put outside is. But they
0: they're doing so podcast But outside. They're doing video clips. You see the people, right? Yeah. Okay. You're not the first person to tell me this. You're not the second. And you're really not the third. This is a thing that I'm worried about. This worries me. You know, I have friends who are creator of the Free Music Party. I'm involved with them. I do what I do. They want to promote on TikTok. I don't disagree with that because TikTok is like, it's prominent right now. It's probably one of the most popular social medias but i just don't get it like i i get the value because i was a vine user like with funny videos or or those videos that are like life hack videos i guess or hand recipes but i don't see a to b with artists blowing up on tiktok and getting or like content creators and getting a deal from it i think it's good for exposure for sure for exposure
1: for music there 100% is that A to B if say someone in the free music party hits on a TikTok sound with one of their songs yeah like they'll get calls that'll just happen
0: i i'm interested i i TikTok was never supposed to be used as like an advertising platform but i guess that's what
1: social media no, is You're advertising no but it always yourself. was yeah but it, it, be it, used it as always an advertising was. platform are there a lot of ads on it um you get one ad like every like eight to ten videos i would say what are your thoughts
0: on those tiktok videos where it's like sets itself up like a life hack like i'm about to show you something crazy and they just like plug an iphone charger into like an orange and then plug the other end into like like
1: as in like like it it, nothing
0: they're they're doing it's supposed to be like sarcastic almost like Nothing they're doing makes sense. They'll like be like, "Oh my gosh, you won't believe this is crazy!" And they'll like do something very random. They'll put like a balloon and stretch it over like you know, their like six sharpies, and be like, "This is a life hack," but it's not.
1: Well, I mean, I'm I support any form of parody. Like, why not? Uh, if if people are just going to make these life hack content things all the time, like most of the time. I, I just said you see an ad maybe every eight to ten videos, but there's always the one that sneaks in of like, this is my Amazon find that changed my life. That's an ad, too. They have affiliate links, and they're trying to sell you that thing. Yeah. They, and they probably get paid based on
0: who buys it. Yes. Affiliate links. So TikTok. Yeah, but, you know, and they also say bad things about TikTok. I'm not going to get too much into it, but the app in general, who runs it, data oh, collection. Oh, no, it's,
1: it's bad. It's it's <laughs> they don't
0: let the military have it, really. Mike can't have it. For example, Mike, our friend who is a marine, he wouldn't be able to have it. The army, I don't think, can have it.
1: Yeah, I mean, passive salt uh, might not be the podcast necessarily for like the state of Chinese politics. No, but, um, no, we don't. I don't even know if I know enough about it. I I feel like I do know enough about it, but I, I won't. We bore don't need people to go into it. it. Yeah,
0: let 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 Mike Baker guest podcasts and talk about that
1: yeah that
0: guy he's a CIA he's a very he's a podcaster well he's a guest he's a he's a big guest on a lot of podcasts he's like I'm a former CIA guy that's his whole thing
1: should we uh should we talk about the warfare that took place this weekend the warfare
0: yeah oh risk yeah oh yeah we should talk about risk so first of all and this is a weird time because the pandemic is in quote-unquote endemic mode that's the word now like it's in the end stages they say they say but and you would think we would have gotten into this at the height not at the end Mm -hmm. we started playing risk that's the intro here's here's the banger we we started playing risk we played risk the other night me and you we did there were other people there yeah four others Kalen Price, he's talked on here. He wants to come on, also Unwrapped.
1: R.I.P. What happened to that one? Real quick, to interrupt.
0: I'll tell you, and I'll keep it short. I just don't want people to get the idea that I'm at the center of a bunch of (laughs) podcast controversy, like podcasts come to me to die. Me and Kay were recording a podcast called Unwrapped. The episodes are actually still public. I wanted to take them down. I got pushed back. And... It was about music only, and that was restricting, and that's okay. I think we actually still had a pretty good podcast, and it just time killed it. You know, like in between episodes, there would be long lengths of time in between things. When you run a podcast, the only way it's going to get attention is commitment to um, regularity. You need to be regular, just like your bowel movements. Mm -hmm. They need to be regular, or else what do we even have? So it died because of time and guests lineup. and it was a, I knew less guest dependent. Podcast. It was super guest dependent. I knew less what that should have been. What that should have been was somebody filming the interview, but not putting up the whole interview, just putting up like a four minute clip and releasing it as audio in a semi-regular way, like every two weeks or something like that. That's really what it should have turned into. I knew a lot less about Buffalo music back then than I do now. So the gust getting was very reliant. The deal was always supposed to be the gust getting would be Kalen, I would handle the back end, editing, posting, recording, making the equipment blah blah blah. And it just died. It just died over time. We might revive it, I don't know. Two podcasts is so exhausting, too. Yeah, I run really out is. of like I run out of mental. Yeah, you got to
1: you got to get the consistency down with 1 before you can have 2. Right, right, right. I always
0: said that I wouldn't upgrade the podcast until I got like concurrent listeners past I don't I don't even want to go into stats. Our stats are fine.
1: I I <laughs> you don't got to share stats on podcast for all people know there's there's like 5,000 people listening. There could wow, be. Imagine. That would be amazing. That would actually be a sizable Audience, I would love five thousand people. It'd be like a cult. You would be able to sell ads
0: to that. Risk. <laughs> I, let's not get off risk because I'm, I'm gonna get excited. We started playing Risk, old version of the game that I thrifted. The map is like circa eighteen hundreds, maybe. I, I don't know, seventeen hundreds. What? What Risk does? See, like there are legacy games like D and D. Yeah. Or Seafall, which I'm not ever gonna play. Or. Warhammer, Warhammer, yeah. Okay. Where you play over time, multiple sessions. And risk can be like that, but risk actually ends. And that knowledge, the end is coming, there's a, like the end. The, this isn't going to take us months. If anything, it'll take us a couple sessions maybe. Mm-hmm. Changes how people act during risk. You could you could walk out of a risk game and never talk to those people again. It could get that bad. I I've heard stories.
1: I mean, uh, the aforementioned Kalen Price, uh, maybe he was thinking that about me during this game. I've been thinking about about
0: Kay's movements in in Risk for a while. For example, he had Sub-Saharan Africa off-rip, so he got that randomly. The way we pick territories is this version or this time, we drew cards. So whatever you get from the deck, that's that's your starting territories. He had Sub-Saharan Africa, and
1: no one went in. Nobody. We we all wanted the game to be, like, a good game. Like, we're recording this on the day of the Super Bowl. You want it to be close. You want it to be we a good game. You want it to be good, yeah. We could have ruthlessly murdered Kalen. It could have happened, but we didn't. Yeah, I
0: focused on South America not, and not – I completely – I started the game. With territories in Asia and Australia, and I didn't fortify them because I had already s- decided that I was going to do North America and South, and that—that's really what
1: killed me. Is like I my commitment to that,
0: and then I everybody ignored Africa.
1: I uh, that game makes me think maybe I have some sort of future in business, or maybe I don't. Given the result, but I mean, I was wheeling and dealing. I felt like I was making good deals. You had to just, make good deals. I didn't. I didn't get the territory count that would give me a troop bonus, and if you don't get the troop bonus, you're just gonna be dead. But um, yeah, I don't know. thing about risk too is like you can tweak rules. Everybody
0: plays their own versions at some point where you tweak certain rules. Like I think that the the card that slides and like you—that's how many troops you get for trading in cards. I think we should switch that. The reason I don't think so, I think we should afford values to each of the cards, and then you can trade them in for total value. Like an infantry would be one guy you trade in three infantry you get three extra troops a cannon
1: the so. reason i don't think so is now for the listener it's slanted like it starts out if you trade in cards it's like four then it goes up to six and yeah. then it's like 12 yeah. and it just kind of doubles each time i think or something, something close, to, close that. to doubling um and that is what allows the game to
0: end right so that's a game ending mechanism but yeah i don't know I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the cards. You you know, because like people could sit, you have to trade in cards too. That's part of it. Like if you get five or six cards, you have to trade them in. So it moves. It's constantly moving by the time three turns have elapsed. When what that does is it forces the beginning of the game to be the most important. Because by the time people are trading in cards and getting troop bonuses, you have to have you have to be on the precipice of 9 or 10 territories minimum because you need to get that 11 territory troop bonus if you don't have a continent. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. Risk strategy goes deep because another thing, too, alliances will kill you. If anybody's listening and they're about to play Risk with their friends, here's my piece of advice. You will get, get hornswoggled, bamboozled, had, took. If you do deals with people, because you'll do a deal.
1: This, is this a subtweet at me right now?
0: No, I mean, like, you didn't. We had a
1: truth, like, you, the whole time, you you and didn't, we both You didn't died. directly
0: affect my game, but you indirectly affected my game. Because here's the thing, folks. You don't know what other deals that person's making. They could make you a deal. See, so the popular thing at our table, I noticed, was besides Jack and Kay having an alliance the entire game was turn expiring deals where like i had a turn counter on the table we every few turns we would acknowledge whether or not our truce was sticking or going me and waller me and Kay had a two-turn truce this is how i got had and took that ended prematurely and he's just like Nah, i'm just gonna take south america because <laughs> i don't want to attack jack yet. it's like oh great here's my advice for for your first if you're playing risk don't do alliances until you have you, until you're in the position of power in the deal, until you're like, I have 12 territories, I'm getting a bonus, I have cards, I'm like pretty good, make a deal. Don't, don't start the game with deals, because then it chokes the game out.
1: Honestly, what Risk really reminded me of, I felt like I was living in my own version of Succession as I played that game. because yeah, we were all standing. I Why just, were we all standing we up? were We were all standing over the board, <laughs> no like, arms sit. crossed, being very contemplative. Yeah, that was weird. Um, But I just... I had the Logan Roy mindset of, like, I'm trying to fuck you on a deal. I am trying, and yeah. Like I didn't throat. succeed, but...
0: Well, no, you had a... Our deal was good. Our deal kept everybody out of the Americas. That's the problem. That's another problem. When our deal became apparent, because we were openly negotiating, I think... I think that we should structure that. There's really no way to have it any other way, though. We could. We could. I could say, like, just you can't make – you can't – on your turn, you have to know what you're doing. No more, like, I'm going to wait 20 minutes before I even place my troops. Like, yeah. You should know what you're doing on your turn. And if you're going to make a deal, you can just walk over here. Just make a deal over here. Yeah, come to the podcast studio. The thing is, is, like, ah, it, is, it was a lot of deal-making, but there was that one point in the game where me and you knew – and I announced this, that if if we're playing, we were playing with six people. The only one really without deals was Logal, and he was out first. So that tells you something. Yes. Jack and Kay and our friend Nick were the other three players. They all they weren't in a three way alliance, but they all had alliances with the other members there. So it really ended up operating that way. Mm-hmm. Again, another thing that just choked our game. We need to. I don't know. You know, you want to make deals like Logan Roy and you want to fuck over the next person because that's what Kay did. He's like, I'll make a deal with Max. And as soon as he accepts it, I'm going to kill him. Like, <laughs> as soon as as soon as soon we get down to it, I'm just going to take him out. That was the Logan Roy. Kaylin was silent the whole game. He went for the throat. Blood everywhere. Just bled out. I bled out that game. I didn't come in last, which is always a bonus for me. Yeah, But I bled out.
1: Yeah, I had a... Uh... Basically, all my deals came back to bite me. But, I mean, that was a revelation for me the other night of, you know, getting together, drinking beer, we, I like beer. Risk. I like beer. I like beer, too. There's nothing wrong with that, either. And, uh, I mean, it was just some good quality fun. It was great. I think,
0: I don't know what it says on the box. I'm sure Risk says, like, 13-plus. But playing a game like that as adults is better is the best time to play it i agree i've I've been playing risk for a while i'm not a regular but like throughout my life i've played it a few times i played it with a couple friends when i was like 12 or 13 and the strategies weren't as finely tuned it was like just a it wasn't it wasn't as enjoyable you know risk when it comes down to it at some point to win the game you're gonna have to roll the dice like 50 times in a row yeah. So I wish there was a better mechanism for that. Oh, my God.
1: That. I, The last thing I want to say about this game is, was my final stand. Ugh. I had one man left in Asia. I think he fought off about six people. I mean, this was Josh Allen versus Pat Mahomes. <laughs> and I lost the final dice roll. The final one. Yeah. What if you... Even if you had won, would you have survived to your next turn? No,
0: but it would have been exciting. It, yeah, it, it does get exciting does get exciting play risk with your friends play any game there are there are other games that have kind of like a deal component right do you when you play monopoly do you play the way that if somebody gets knocked out you have to auction off their properties
1: i haven't played monopoly as like uh an adult so i have no idea
0: so you were just a
1: product of
0: whatever you were told that's fine that's fine that is fine
1: uh do you know what i was doing last night watching tv no i uh i worked the billy eilish show here you still work for the stadium uh yeah i do it only when things fall on saturday how was that show honestly i uh i wouldn't say i dislike billy eilish but it's not like I, i'm the biggest fan yeah i'd say i'm in the middle somewhere um she was pretty great i, I, I watched a lot of the show like it, it was actually kind of Changing my perception on her with how good it was. How were... So, did she have... Is she someone that
0: likes a lot of effects during her shows? Like, Kanye, I guess, would be somebody who's at the top of the spectrum. I want a floating stage, or The weekend or something like that. And then there are people who have really not a lot of, like, lasers or lights or anything. Just kind of like a background, maybe.
1: Um, A lot of visuals. A lot of different video walls. Um, really? Uh, tricky light stuff. Um... I'm trying to think. It was during, oh, was it when the party's over? There was, like, this visual of her that, like, looked like she was crying blood, which was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's, yeah. like, I think I've seen that in a
0: music video or something like that. Um, something about Billie Eilish. And, again, diehard fans might come at me for being a Billie Eilish hater if they were to take everything I said about her on this podcast. But I'm a middle fan. No hate, no love. Li- no, no hate, no love. She um put out a documentary recently. Not her herself, obviously the people who made it, she was the subject. Her entire like media, let's call it the circus, like her entire like promotion for it, almost all the sources, IndieWire, Deadline, whatever you were looking at when she was doing interviews about it. We're using the same, like, quote from her. She was saying the same thing about the documentary all the time. Like, it's really me you're seeing. Like, it's real. Like, this is a real portrayal. Of yeah. If you got to say it, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I haven't seen the documentary. I'm going to have to watch it now that I'm saying this. But that all those headlines being ba- basically the same. Like, her saying the same thing to every single thing. I get it. Part of it's just, like, your media training. But... As a documentarian, well, you shouldn't want people to say anything like that about it. You should just want the documentary to speak for itself. I think that if you're spending that much energy telling people that's the real you, it's probably not.
1: I mean, it probably isn't. I think anything anything put out for public consumption is contrived to an extent. For sure. Even this podcast. Everything is bias. Um, And Billie Eilish being this person who... I mean throughout the years she's practically played like a character i think of like especially during her like major goth phase like that may have been somewhat authentic to her but that was also being played up because that was her persona
0: what's the working definition of goth
1: what do you mean the working definition of goth
0: <laughs> like w- define goth what is a goth person um i don't know because like my definition dark is you just wear black head to toe black that no, ma- it doesn't have to do with makeup or pale skin, or that's like vampirism goth. My version of goth is more like you're just wearing all black.
1: I think it is. Is it emotional? All it absolutely is emotional. It's all like dark black clothing. Um, there's often angst behind it. Angst. That's a good word. Um, maybe a streak of colored hair. That's that's a new part of it. I think. The scene. The scene girls. She was a scene girl. Not really though. People would come at me for there's, that statement. Maybe there's also an element of you don't need to literally be grungy, but you got to like look a little grungy. Well, her, her whole thing pre-18, her whole like I'm wearing baggy
0: clothes, yeah. that thing, and people had like an issue with that. that. So I get to to offset that. Like it, they go hand in hand to me. Like that that kind of stance that she was taking about herself and her portrayal and how she wanted her to be perceived and emo goth go hand in hand. Like I don't know. I've
1: I've seen a lot of
0: hot goth girls. No. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> saying that they all do that, but I think that was like, that was the stratagem. That was the strategy. She's also in the headlines recently because Kanye wants her to apologize for stopping her show to like help a fan get an inhaler when clearly artists are trying to be careful now about shows mm-hmm. because of the Travis Scott thing who by the way is in talks or rumored Kanye's going to bring him on stage for his Coachella performance that is not going to go well that's that will not go well Travis Scott I don't think Travis Scott can
1: perform right now I don't know I mean are you saying it from like Travis Scott is not emotionally equipped to do it? No. Or, no, b- he, because clearly that, he's that, an dude, that dude fucking sold sponsorships uh, as his apology.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Partnered with BetterHelp. Pe- yes, yes, yeah. Which, uh, I don't do the online therapy, should not be your first. Should not be your first if you're going to do therapy. It should not be your first. I digress. Travis is emotionally equipped mainly because he's an android like his apology video there was a reason people hated it like it didn't seem sincere at all yeah what i think it'll be interesting first of all i don't think he should be performing not because he's canceled i don't i'm not the authority on that i don't know but i just think you should deal with this first this houston astral world thing first or at least get that started he um the, uh, the sponsorships, the deals, I don't know. this. It's very sudden. Plus, it'll be interesting to see if they make him go to court. Do you think they'll make him show up to the courtroom?
1: What I don't know, what I never understood about the story was like, yeah, from what I know, he was like encouraging rowdiness on stage, but he was also... On stage, basically, in his own world. like So it's not like he's entirely aware of what's going on in the crowd, but yeah, I have no idea. So far, I
0: think, and this is capped now, I think this is the total number. I heard that it's all been combined into one lawsuit. 2,800 people are attached as defendants. What they're going to have to do is prove that he had some kind of they're going to try to prove blame so in civil court or in criminal court it's beyond a reasonable doubt that's how you prove guilt in civil it's preponderance of
1: evidence i'm sure it's probably going to be a case of like quote unquote travis scott is being sued but it's going to be like the travis scott corporation or whatever his name is incorporated here's the thing
0: and for some reason, he ducked all the bad heat for this. Drake is attached to the lawsuit, so
1: like on the other end. Drake is part, or of the he's company. getting sued. No, he's getting
0: sued with Travis. Okay, so there's that factor. Drake has a, a ton of money. That's number one. Number two, no matter what the outcome of this lawsuit is, whether he settles or not, Travis Scott's going into debt, which means he's gonna have to put out a ton of content, content mm-hmm. to make money. It will be. He Astro World arguably, you know, would upset a lot of people, or didn't it win the Grammy? Dude, the Grammys, who knows what wins the Grammy. Who cares? Who cares? It won it got recognition. People loved Astro World. His music is not going to be good after this.
1: I don't know. No, I it won't I, be. I still like Travis. Uh now, I say that in the context of this conversation. I mean I'm not really team cancel anyone anymore yeah. because it's just exhausting the right. way well, people why, waste yeah. their energy on sure. this stuff. But um I don't know. Whatever is deemed to be the right outcome from this that that's just what I want. I want the right outcome. Oh, it'll settle for sure.
0: It'll settle uh, like before it reaches a jury verdict, it'll for sure settle. Even though people have already denied money from him from paying for funerals, which I find interesting, but it'll settle, I think it'll be a big payout. I think part of the settling agreement will be Travis Scott in court and people can read what's known in civil court as victim impact statements they're allowed to say whatever they want to him and how it how this affected them like people are going to say i was about to get married to this guy people are
1: going to say my kid blah blah blah. that's what i think is going to happen subtle victim impact statement that would make sense are you uh are you going to be putting this podcast on spotify even though travis scott's music is up there yeah why Oh, because of the
0: controversy. Yeah, you know, podcasters are getting a bad rep these days. Mr. Rogan, you know, Spotify. I wouldn't do that if I was an artist, though. Like, well, how does that benefit you?
1: I don't know. I mean, like, it, it it's seems like... It's rich people like playing the, doing rich people things. It, it absolutely is. But it seems like whatever Neil Young was trying to accomplish, I mean, he kind of did. He, he got the ball rolling on something. But... At the same time, I just kind of look at it all and think, like, on one end, the artists are trying to be self-important. On the other end, Rogan is a moron. So he's, a mo- he's, he's a self-proclaimed moron. That's the best part. He tells people
0: he's no, a moron. No, that,
1: that's, that's all a ploy. Do you think he doesn't think he's the smartest fucking person in every room? He absolutely does.
0: I can't say here nor there. I'm not a uh, Rogan knight. I've certainly watched clips of him and heard clips, certain clips. I don't know. I think he – I just think that he got into the game early enough where he just pulled ahead. You know what I mean? He did. Like, if he had started the Joe Rogan podcast these days, no one would know him because he would still just be the MMA guy. I don't know if it would do as well.
1: I mean, it it almost certainly wouldn't because if Joe Rogan, the MMA guy, started a podcast today – there would be no reason to assume it would be anything like what it is now.
0: Yeah. He wouldn't be self-proclaimed idiot. He wouldn't say that, all
1: um, that.
0: But here's the thing. Do you think Spotify made enough money back from the controversy in their own creators on their platform talking about it like us?
1: Honestly, probably. Probably. But um, that's another case of my commentary on cancel culture where it's like, yeah, I think Rogan's moron. Do moron. Do I think he should be shunned from society? No. Like, I don't have the energy to shun him from society.
0: Right. That take You have to take an active role. I mean, I guess, like, people say you just, like, you know, block or mute or, you know, don't follow or don't listen. Uh, you do what you want in this life. I don't know what, what to tell people anymore. It, yeah.
1: It does take energy to hate, though. And uh, I'm not as much as when, like, the election was coming up. But I'm, like, reasonably politically conscious. And I'm on the liberal side. And it doesn't – it makes me angry from a political strategy standpoint of, yeah, let's alienate the entire audience of the biggest fucking podcast in the world. Let's do that. That's the, stupid. The That's stupid. I, wa- thing... I, want, I want people on the left to win elections, and it doesn't happen if you decide, like, the the number one enemy is the most – powerful content creator on the planet right Right. (laughs) so right so that like all these
0: stats came out shows joe rogan gets consumed a lot more than traditional forms of media and then all of a sudden he gets this cascade of attacks the covid misinformation the the racial uh the use of the n-word and and that joke which was horrific um controversy right after that what's interesting is that patriot takes which is this twitter account that put together this joe rogan video of him using the word mm-hmm. is run by these three guys who are part of this company called Midas touch, which is a democratic super PAC. The reason I know all this is because when the Joe Rogan controversy happened, another controversial internet personality, Dave Portnoy started having his, Poor his henchmen <laughs> dig into them and found out that the same three guys, the same Twitter account, the same Midas touch, the same democratic super PAC levied the same exact strategy against him when his n-word controversy it was we're going to try to take him down for one thing if that doesn't work right away we're going to move into racism mm-hmm. and if that doesn't work we're going to try to move into like whatever we can that is where cancel culture gets really disorienting for me there are organiz- organized groups of people who are have funding from somewhere donors or whatever they're selling whatever that are able to try and actually cancel someone, like actually point the arrow. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer really public the public's canceling people. It's it's just like I'm I have a Twitter account. I'm going to influence this person to be cancelled purposely. That's kinda weird. That's disorienting to me. That's hard to think about.
1: Yeah. I mean it's all it's all any comedian can talk about nowadays. So Well everybody's got a riff off that. I mean the comedians the comedians have it tough you can't be a comedian these days no I think you kind of can be Uh, all you gotta do is not make your special specifically about that Yeah. and if someone takes issue with what you do you say fuck you like you you can't care about it at all that just seems to be the strategy if you care about it at all you lose Uh, I'm not trying to give people too much of the playbook of what they need to do if they get cancelled but
0: yeah well like for example chris delia got can- he, he's canceled. Someone, he's
1: someone i'm actually
0: okay with being gone but got canceled did your approach doesn't care still has a pretty big audience
1: my friend watches him i uh i just watched through the show you and uh he's in season 2 of that show yeah where he his whole thing is that he uh drugs underage girls and that's, like, literally what he got canceled for. I'm not sure if it went to the extent of drugging, drugs, but, like, no, it, it no was drugs. heavy contact with underage girls. And that's uh, – I'm conflicting myself to some extent, but, like, I hear stuff like that, and it's like, okay, get him out of here. I, I don't want him. Yeah, when you <laughs> –
0: there are topics that have always been, always been instant, right? Like, mm. like underage, You you're not – I'm sure there are internet groups out there. Oh, they're out there. Yeah. So, you know, there, there are carnal sins, right? And those are never going to go away. And people need to understand that just because you have a fan base and some, a little bit of money,
1: you know. So, Billie Eilish, though. <laughs> um, crazy thing. So, I sell merchandise and. Um for it, the stadium, to be for, clear. For, for the stadium, for the not, not for Billie Eilish. Not, I sell any, merch, check
0: me out on Etsy. Like, yeah, I'm no, selling no. bracelets.
1: Uh, and any artist comes in and I am selling their merch for the building. Um, She broke the arena record here in Buffalo by a mile. Like a crazy, crazy amount. Like our previous record, it was like... Hmm, Two hundred eighty thousand or something for like Metallica, and merch only, merch only. Wow! And uh, she shattered it way into the three hundreds. Merch
0: is how artists make money. Merch yeah. and ticket sales. They're not making it off streaming for sure not. So that, I'm, that's good to hear. Successful. I'm sure. I
1: honestly, I was shocked though. Obviously, I know Billie Eilish is huge, but like I've worked plenty of huge shows before. I did not think Billie Eilish was going to. Take the record by a long shot.
0: You can play around with reasons and the stats. I'm sure. Like, how often are how many shows does the average person go to a year? Uh, I, I mean, mean, honestly, I don't the know. average person is probably like so. One. When you go to the shows you really want to go to, and I imagine because the ticket prices, Billy Eilish, the everybody who was there really wanted to be. Yes, there. they're gonna buy merch to commemorate it. Tour merch is hot right now. You gotta step up your tour merch game. Get tour merch you've never been to. Dude, I
1: have so many opinions on this. One, you got to have basically like three or four shirts. Three or four. Two hoodies, maybe a crew neck. All merch? This is all concert merch? And then hats. Those are – some people show up and they have 15 different types of shirts. Really? And you can't do that. No. Too many options. Too many options. And then also from a worker standpoint – the, the way to a bad night is if the artist's merch people are bad and they don't know how much they should be bringing out for the show. Mm. And then they fucking kill us by bringing out 15 styles, like 300 of each style, and we don't even get close to selling that much. Then there's a lot of work to do.
0: What that tells me is that they have all this back stock of merch, right? Like yeah. Just, yeah. Wow.
1: And, and they will occasionally decide, like, oh, let's bring it out for the hell of it. Maybe we'll, we'll get lucky. And you don't get lucky. There's like a science to this. Yeah, yeah. What were um? Give me a t-shirt price for Billie Eilish. What was that like? Forty-five short sleeve, eighty crew neck, ninety hoodie, ninety dollar hoodies. Ninety dollar hoodie. So that's a good. That's a expensive hoodie. What it was is. the material like? Was it good? I didn't like it very much. The inside was kind of like I'm wearing one. It's like a nice fleecy nice inside right now. My current sweatshirt. Uh, It was more, like, rough. It was almost, like, they're lappy. It was weird. They are killing it with merch. It was made in America, and it put, like, 100% organic cotton or something. So there's definitely a little more of a production cost than, like, what uh, someone getting Gildan T-shirts is doing. But I guess. I guess.
0: Um, I'll tell you what. We're at 52. I want to move into our segments. All right, let's For new it. listeners of Pass Assault, roughly at the end of every episode, we do two segments. One is called Saltiest of the Week, in which the co-hosts will do who they perceive or who they agree with being the angriest person that week that they are aware of. Could be personal example with explanation. Could be a wide uh, example, like for Kanye, the one that frequently shows up on the show. Or it could be like, something you are personally mad about. And community tries, which is a recommendation. Let's start with saltiest.
1: Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um my saltiest of the week could probably apply to every week and uh, I'm gonna get political again. Let's do it. It's the libs. The libs. Now why you ask um well Aaron Rodgers won the NFL MVP. And did he actually? Yeah
0: oh my gosh (laughs) i'm angry i don't even need to identify as a lib to be angry about that what a homeless like sleep like go to bed he it it looks like he hasn't slept in 10 days
1: all the time it it is weird his transformation he looks like i mean he is the picture of midlife crisis you know what he you
0: know what I, i believe even though i have no evidence to prove this i believe that if he is in public and he has nondescript clothes like nothing really fancy just like his I'm going to do an errand clothes and he like zips up his jacket puts on his little beanie and like hangs around 711 and asks people for money not because <laughs> he needs it just because he wants to hey man can i get a quarter like i f- that's the energy he's
1: giving off to me i he gives off major like swinger energy to me like he's just going to a bar like looking to recruit like different couples to join it maybe he's, he's dating
0: the actress what's her name Shailene Woodley or not dating married at least
1: engaged yeah. i don't know if they're married or not why,
0: why do you you don't agree with the mvp choice or do you
1: oh no it's objectively like the choice that had to be made and that's why the libs are rattled because obviously in in sports media like if you're not barstool pretty much you're just like another liberal reporter they grow on trees and they had to vote for Aaron Rodgers to win MVP, and you know they did not want to do that. There's no way they why did do they? That. Because they had to. He played the best this year, regular season, that
0: is. He, uh, Izzy Ansari was talking about Aaron Rodgers in his comedy special on Netflix. I, I just watched that. Okay, yeah. So you'll have way more insight on this than me because I've only seen a couple clips. I haven't watched it. I, it regardless and i liked his take on it where he was just like you guys, like he was talking more so about his ivermectin controversy and he was saying like you guys are really going to be mad at someone who gets hit in the head for a living about listening to two podcasts and then choosing what those podcasts told him to choose come Mm. on like come on yeah and i i understand that i just i just find aaron Rodgers, like it Two years ago, if you would ask me about Aaron rodgers, I'd be like eh, i don't I don't know like Aaron rodgers. I always liked Aaron Rodgers, and it just seems like he has taken some kind of like more he's just in the spotlight I guess more on a personal level, not related to sports.
1: It's just the reason it happened is because a few years ago he kind of started his his run of in his press conferences you can clearly tell like I'm the smart guy I'm the smart NFL player." <laughs> And there was no reason to believe he wasn't smart. I mean, like, you have to be smart to be a quarterback to some yeah. extent. But um, no reason to think he wasn't. And then when you find out, like, he lied about this, and also he's on the wrong side of the argument, science-based. Um, yeah, It's frustrating. And, again, uh, do I think Aaron Rodgers should be put in a gulag? No. But like fuck it at the same time. I don't I don't care for what he has to say, but also he shouldn't be going to the gulag.
0: But he is going to the MVP twenty twenty
1: Yeah. Second year
0: in a row. Really? He won last year too? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't remember much about sports though. Um let's switch gears, my saltiest. Kevin Smith. I'm I was gonna do a political one, I don't care about it anymore. Kevin Smith. Uh the clerk's guy, the comic book men guy. I don't know if he does anymore. He's always wearing right? basketball shorts and, and a hat. And a hat. He's rattled. He's rattled for a reason that you and me have both given up being rattled about, I would assume, years ago. He's rattled because Spider-Man No Way Home didn't get nominated for Best Picture. He's rattled. He's open like he made public statements about it, just like, come on, give Peter Parker his due, blah, blah, blah. Okay, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip this apart. I like Kevin Smith. I Actually, I like Clerks a lot. I think he captured the shit job really well in that uh, whatever else he does he's good Spider-Man is a character not a movie so if right there we don't nominate characters we nominate actors we don't nominate characters Tom Holland as Spider-Man fine pretty fine. good yeah. the movie itself good movie for, like it's a good Marvel movie entertaining super good entertaining it's not it's not a best picture nom I would argue some of the ones that did get nominated certainly aren't
1: either I'm looking at you Don't Look Up did you watch that? yes I haven't yet but I'm, I'm gonna watch through all of the nominated movies so I yeah Don't Look Up should not
0: be on the list Spider-Man still shouldn't be on the list the, the writing it's a Disney made movie the writing's a little lazy like all the problems in the movie could have been reasoned away mm-hmm. I think literally reasoned away for example, if you, you've seen it, Spoilers, yeah. al- spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't, it's impossible. The movie made a billion dollars. All these villains from different universes come into his universe. We've seen them on screen before. Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Jamie Foxx's character, Electro, uh, and the lizard guy. No, we're not just going to break this box and send them back and fix everything because... I'm going to help them. And then when they return to their universes, they will be dead because they're all already dead. Well, they're all (laughs) already dead. But even if they return to their universes at the moment that they were like zapped from. And during the movie, Spider-Man No Way Home, they explain when they were transferred over. Doc Ock, it was when he was in the final fight with Tobey Maguire. Green Goblin was in the final fight with Toby. They were all in their moments of death is when they were like, they said, yeah, I was fighting Spider-Man. And then now he's here. Even if you fix all of them, which he did, the chip and the goblin serum and the, the lizard guy and electro and send them back. The fact that Marvel and Disney have decided to go the route of multiverse rather than continuation of one story. It does not matter. That means there are infinite universes. You save these three villains, they could return to their universes, and the rules of the multiverse dictate that they get hit by a bus as soon as they get back because they're supposed to be dead. They could have long, fulfilling lives in their universes. There are infinite amounts of Andrew Garfield and infinite amounts of Tobey Maguire. Who says we even ripped them from the movies we saw? It, doesn't even, it does not matter. Him fixing those villains does not matter. And he should have realized that. And he would still have Aunt May and other innocents that I assume are collateral Would one and structural damage. I mean, <laughs> let's talk about a city's tax base here. Yeah, that would all be gone. It, so, like, I'm worried. I am worried about the multiverse problem is what I call it with, with the MCU. In the comics, it works because you can get very hyper-specific about what's going on and, like, reset the world a bunch of times, which is what Marvel does. DC does legacy heroes. You're continuing... The mantle of Green Lantern. You're a completely different character. You're continuing the mantle of Superman. Marvel Comics does multiverse. Until some large event. Wipes out the multiverse. And it restarts same characters. The MCU cannot do that. Robert Downey Jr. is not going to be Iron Man again. Like They, they are going to run into a lot of writing problems. I think. With trying to manage. The, this multiverse. And mainstream like. The mainstream MCU, the, the world of Spider-Man No Way Home, which includes Iron Man, which includes Captain America, which includes whatever. Even Venom wasn't in, is not in, Spider-Man's universe. It was only after Spider-Man No Way Home that Venom entered that universe. He got phased in. Yeah. Which is, I'm just telling you, these kind of like... I can ignore very quick fixes to movies like plot holes and everything like just fine. Like, I have no problem with it. With with something like superhero films like this, I think the bigger the movie, so their next event, it's just going to be a bigger problem.
1: I could be wrong. I uh, I have a few opinions on this. One, I'm just a Spider Man guy. Yeah, I love Spider Man. Do you think it should have gotten Best Picture? No, not absolutely me. not. Oh, okay, um, because I'm. I'm of the class that believes like can the Marvel movies just can, can we stop please? I don't need I I want them a 3 year break. Anymore.
0: I would love a 3 year Marvel break.
1: I mean, I'm I'm out on just like things that Disney has made. Mm-hmm. I I used to not be of this opinion. I thought when Disney got Star Wars like they're clearly going to do this right. They have everything to do it right and it's just going to happen. I'm more angry about Star Wars than Marvel. I mean, yeah. You, I haven't even considered watching Book of Boba. Me neither. Like, and uh, I guess loose spoilers for it from what I know is that the conclusion of that. Guess what? Have you seen the old movies? Mm. Have you seen old Star Wars movies? Because here's nostalgia from that. Like, mm. who cares? I don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, and they also just kind of tried to apply the, the quippy Marvel formula to Star Wars. And it doesn't work because Star Wars needs its own identity. It kind of works for Marvel because they built the identity in Marvel. Yeah. Can't just translate that to somewhere else. I just, uh, I wish people would see other movies, ideally. Although, at the same time, these movies are basically the only things that, like, keep movie theaters alive at this point. So, well, that's the
0: thing. It's like, we've gotten to the point where the big movie theater events are all Marvel so now people are expecting that to be the norm and anything that tries to be a big event outside that doesn't do as well the people have the power to choose what movies are in the theaters that's the thing, it's always been that way go to the movie, go to good movies even, you can argue like even if you were to just rate blockbusters huge budget things like like Marvel, Fast and Furious which is thankfully thankfully dying after, after number 10 I think, right? Like I think this is their last movie that's com- coming out um, like huge projects like Uncharted is going to be a big cinematic event. Batman, I'm, I'm hyped for Batman, but Batman, you know, those are the things that are getting people through the door. Like you can't throw a Wes Anderson film in a theater like the Regal or AMC of, of Buffalo, New York, and expect it to do well. Yeah. People aren't, there is a good crowd. There's a great fine crowd for like independent or like studio, not recycled IPs movies. But it's just not, it's not what's keeping the lights on, and that's unfortunate. But hopefully, the big movies get better and better. And, and
1: then, horrible. when it comes to the Kevin Smith point of this all, yeah, he's mad. I, uh, I was disparaging towards the Grammys earlier because I think the Grammys just have like no direction, A lot of no more like they just have no idea what they're ever doing. Yeah. They just kind of give their awards to the most popular thing. Yeah. Um, I like the Oscars still. Because they actually have a standard for movies, and there's a lot of politics involved, and people can be angry about that for sure. But you look at the list of Oscar movies, and it's like, oh, these are what we actually think achieved something in film, not sold a bunch of popcorn.
0: Right, right. Okay, so I mentioned Don't Look Up. That shouldn't be a Best Picture nom. It is. That is their populist choice. For me, that was their populist choice. And Dune. Dune is a populist choice. Dune is a populist choice. So I want to. I don't know all Dune's nominations. I know they have ten. They're not in Best Director. They are in Best Picture. They're probably in Sound Design. They're probably in like Costume Design. And all that stuff. I haven't seen Dune. Full disclosure. I tried to see it in theaters. I couldn't at the time. It moved off HBO. I missed my chance. I'm gonna have to rent it. But. Arguably, everybody I've talked to says Dune is a good movie. Like I loved a, it. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, Josh Brolin was mad that Dennis... Uh, I butcher his last name all the time. Villeneuve? Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, Denis, yeah, Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. Should have gotten a directing uh, he nomination for Dune because he adapted something that was very hard to adapt. I agree. That is some, You're achieving something in film, right? Like If you can do it in that way. But you're right. Power of a Dog. I've seen it. That has 12 nominations. For reference, one of the greatest American movies of all time, The Godfather, when it was up for Oscars, got 10. So Power So and Dune got 10. Power of a Dog getting 12. That's like kind of incredible to me. Like that Mm -hmm. is incredible. I've seen Power of a Dog, and it it is one of the movies every year there's a movie that people go, Man, I wonder how that slipped in there. Like, yeah, that is one of the movies I think. Man, I wonder how I'm glad. That it slipped through and got its campaign successful into the Oscar category. They are pro- it is probably going to sweep. When I watched it, I'm gonna re watch it. It is a rewatchable movie. When I watched it the first time, I knew. I felt. This is this is like this is where it gets kind of snake oil salesman-y. I felt that it was a good movie. I watched it, and I wasn't sure the ending one of the best parts about the movie is the ending, I'm not gonna say anything. The ending, I think, is Top tier movie ending. Like, great ending. And after watching it, I, and you know, I smoke a little marijuana, you know, sometimes before movies. I felt it was great. I'm like, this is a good movie. I'm not really sure where I stand on all the mechanisms of it. The acting, the light, whatever. Like, I don't, I don't have thoughts on that yet. But I, I felt it was good. Watching it, I was fully engaged. Like, it is a movie similar to what we mentioned about Succession, where... It's shot well. It's really just a bunch of conversations.
1: I I'm cool with that personally.
0: There is stuff going on. I mean, it takes place on a ranch, so there's ranch stuff going on. Is like action, and there's like, there is some kind of like, I guess m- m- more action, less conversation scenes. But yeah, like I think that that's that is uh, hitting the nail on the head this year. That should have been in in the running. For example, um, Benedict Cucumber cucumber batch he's never been my favorite i think he did a good job in this movie i heard he method acted for it i think that shows through he didn't bathe he smoked a lot of cigarettes i don't know things like that good movie
1: jesse plemons jesse plemons kirsten Dunst. he's in like every big oscar movie every year yeah i know
0: always as a supporting actor we haven't
1: talked about euphoria we so oh that's 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 my tries Oh, let's move is? into it. Let's move oh, into community okay. tries. We're let's do it because let's do it. we need to talk about like the theory culture behind it, behind all of Euphoria. But did you see the drug dealer woman? Her house. There's a panning shot that shows a picture frame of her and what her old family must have been. Yeah, Jesse Plemons is her husband in the picture. Oh, so he's he's about to he's about to be on the show. Maybe, maybe they I don't, don't know. Do Might that. have just been an Easter egg, but.
0: Why spend money to get Jesse Plemons to clear his schedule to take a picture?
1: He's in it, for sure. I didn't know. I, that. I hope so. I, I think Jesse Plemons is really good in everything.
0: Here's the thing, and it's all connected. So my recommendation for the week is Euphoria. Maybe it's yours too. Here's the thing about um, about like doing things like that. Like I don't know. I think he's gonna be a part in it. I because of Marvel. I find myself avoiding a lot, a lot of fan theory or fan lore or like speculations because, like, they're so interesting. They are interesting. Like, oh, did you see this picture? But, like, I'm, I try to take euphoria just as it is, especially because, you know, euphoria, watching euphoria is like being awake while someone's giving you chest compressions. That's what it's like. <laughs> like, it is an onslaught of there's no breathing room and I've said this to you before off podcast there's no breathing room in a show like euphoria you cannot take a breath there is no scene where it's just kind of exposition or just people like doing something simple yeah i guess like the transitional scenes where Rue's on her bike or they're walking somewhere but even those like you know nate
1: and uh, cassie to in the extent, truck in the background you like, can get some relief when like storylines are switching, the last one we watched was uh, the one with Rue on the run. I mean, that was maybe the most stressful thing I've ever fucking watched. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That, I'm more stressed ab- about Euphoria tonight than the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, I have no stake in. I don't care about it. Yeah. like I'm gonna watch
1: it. I'm I going might place a bet. Maybe then I can have some stake in it. But
0: what colors the Gatorade gonna
1: be for each team? Uh, the favorite is orange right now. It has to be winning team that matters.
0: Yeah, sure, but I'm just curious what you think. The winning team's gonna have orange, you think?
1: If the Bengals win it has It'll to be, be orange. orange. Is there a yellow
0: Gatorade? There's lemon lime, the like yellowy color. Neon. I don't
1: know. Does the team want that just for sake I'll of colour? I'll tell you what, it won't be blue.
0: It'll be it'll be one of the main line colors. Red, the yellow one, orange. I don't think it'll be blue. I don't think it'll be like purple. I don't know
1: purple i think has the worst odds yeah or or, or, if you go reverse maybe it's the best odds but um yeah yeah. because you would make the most money right yeah yeah
0: i don't uh i'm more stressed about euphoria i um here's what i want to say about euphoria first of all sam levinson who before euphoria the the average person like i don't i don't know anything he did I, i don't know euphoria brought him up to the spotlight he obviously had that netflix movie he's doing a really good job with directing
1: son of a famous director Who? uh something levinson i can get that up in a moment i don't know yeah um very famous director like he grew up in la in in the star system as most as most stars are yes um
0: it doesn't seem like he's taking turns on directing. Usually, like, TV shows will rotate who wrote the episode, who, who's directing the episode. It, this is his project. This is a very... This is him. Like, this is for sure. All the episodes so far, to my knowledge, have been directed by him. I don't think that's going to change. I think in season one, there were different directors, but that was the first season. I don't think that's the case anymore.
1: Uh, Barry Levinson Barry directed... Levinson. Rain Man directed yeah, Good Rain, Morning Rain, Vietnam, Rain The Natural... Oh, the national was uh, filmed in Buffalo, Coca Cola Field. Yes. Um, yeah. No, he has a ton of movies. Very, very. I didn't know. Director. I didn't know
0: that he was related to Barry Lynn. I mean, I guess it's the last name, but I, I guess I never made the connection. Um, he HBO threw money at him. Like I said, he's shooting the whole um, Euphoria season two is sh- being shot on Super thirty five Kodachrome. That's why the colors look the way they are. That's why it just it it pops a little bit more. He emphasizes that like. Euphoria, the word, everything needs to be at the most extreme. That's why in the first episode, spoilers alert, you have everything that the fan base thought was going to happen throughout season two happened in the first episode. That's a bold approach to me. This is a writing thing. You know, that's a bold approach. I thought after seeing the first episode, the fight with Nate, the drugs, the drug dealer, like everything people thought was going to happen. I was like, oh, this is like, Rue's just on drugs, and this is all imagining, or this is a dream, or like he's going to go back on this. But no, he stuck with it. I th- I think the whole, like, here's all what you were expecting, and now that we got that out of the way, here's the real season of Euphoria. I don't know if I agree with that. Rick and Morty did the same thing, but in reverse. They did random episodes for season five. Everybody wanted to see what happened with Evil Morty. They waited till the season finale to do it. They're like, in this one episode, we're going to give you everything you've been wanting to see it's it's the end or it's the beginning i don't know if i like that other than than that you know th- this is a one-of-a-kind show for sure right yeah i, I haven't absolutely. really seen anything like it in this manner. it's so graphic it's so
1: it's just so flashy in every single way in a way that's not like wow they're like try hard it's like oh they actually pulled this off it's yeah,
0: it's 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 try hard. It's pulled off the emotional content of the show is almost what's in the background. Like a lot of TV shows, even like a really basic Formula One, like any of the CW superhero shows like there's action scenes and then they take breathers and they do like these emotional scenes that are hyper emotional. There's tears. There's a lot of exclamation and euphoria. All the emotion, it's very emotional, but all the emotion is second hand to the graphicness, which is also an interesting choice for me, like to watch. Cause like in this last episode, Ron Rue is in a fight with her mom. Hyper that is action and emotion. That's like that's why this was, you know, a culmination of everything so far in the season, right? The mm-hmm. Cassie, Nate, what's the not Cassie. Who was Nate's girlfriend in season 1? What's her Maddie. name? Maddie. Maddie. Maddie and Cassie and Nate drama, all that. It culminated in run. But like the emotional moments where like Jules finds out that Ruse, Ruse on 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 drugs um from Dominic Feike's character um very quick emotion. You get the single tear. It's not discussed, really. It just kind of like really well put together shots kind of come out of that yeah. scene. So that's Always good, you know. T HBO has been shooting stuff more and more, like cinemas, you know, lately. And I'm here for it. I'm here for you
1: for you. It's the style of it that, like, I hate what this theory culture has done to this show mm-hmm. because it's conditioned people to think that this is like a Marvel movie, and it's just not. Oh, yeah. Like, well, no. It, this is not a theory show. I don't really think it is, mm-hmm. anyway. Um. But people are coming up with absurd things nonetheless. And that's also making everyone bank on plot points. And this is not a plot point show. In fact, in many ways, while things happen with these characters and you care about the arcs they go on, it's like an unspoilable show. Because the experience is all in these episodes. Just everything that is put into them. They they are such a singular experience every single episode. That... You really just got to see it for yourself. And that leads me to my last point, which is we kind of discussed the other night about how sometimes, whether you blame writing or whatever, it feels like the plot points aren't necessarily all fitting together for like what you think of a season of television, like how you want the arc to look like. And that might be true. Maybe if you take a bird's-eye view at the end of the season and see where all the dots connected. Maybe it doesn't look like the most coherent season of television, but every single episode is so singularly good in its own way that it's, I think it's a fantastic show.
0: Yeah. I don't disagree with, with what you're saying. I would, I mean, I I'm in the camp where you're writing a teen show. It's going to be hard. You're trying to make it like a cohesive season. It's not going to be easy. So making each individual episode as good as you can, I think is a good strategy in general, whether that is what their strategy is or or not. But uh yeah, watch euphoria. Watch Euphoria. We haven't even we didn't even discuss much of the plot. And that's that should tell you everything. We were talking about everything else but like
1: actual most of the plot. So watch Euphoria. Um I uh I have a few community tries here. Um I'll start with one I mentioned earlier. I just watched through all of that show, you, and, uh, I really enjoyed it. It's the type of show that don't go into it. You know, it's a serial killer. Don't go into it thinking like you're about to watch mind hunter. And it's about to mm-hmm. be this like super serious thing. Like you gotta, you gotta know that you can laugh at this show because there are plenty of funny moments. And the show also, I wasn't positive from the beginning, but at a certain point you can tell like, Oh, okay. They know this is funny. Um, Watched through all three seasons of that that are currently out, and um, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. You. Um, Netflix. I'm also uh, in the games territory. Figured I'd give a recommendation of what I just played. It's a out-of-left-field one. Maybe you'll remember it, Max. Uh, have you ever heard of Spec Ops The Line? Oh, I could talk about Spec Ops The Line. Have you played it? I played
0: it back in the day, but revisited it, not played it but I actually and I don't do a lot of game watching I watched most of a playthrough Really? when I got back because I was looking into something else in college for a paper and someone wrote an article about I think it was for a book or something I was reading about that book and how it compares to Spec Ops the line and that threw me down the rabbit hole of all rabbit holes I was like oh I remember that game And then I went on this whole thing about it, but I want to hear your thoughts on it.
1: No, dude, I, uh, I got it on sale on Xbox. So you just did it raw. You had no, I knew, I knew it was a highly regarded game. Okay. Um, I got it on sale for like $4, something crazy like that. And I also knew it was a fairly short game. So I started playing it over the last week and, um, a good touch point gameplay wise. It plays like a gears of war game. Um, And you think it's just like a basic military shooter for the most part, except there's a twist that's basically in this Dubai that has been destroyed by natural disasters. American soldiers have kind of like formed their own kind of coalition, and then you're an American soldier fighting other American soldiers. It's all very questionable as to who is ever in the right at any point during this. Where's the line? Um, and I was really impressed. I think uh, I'm very critical of game stories because sometimes they're just so dog shit. Yeah, sometimes sometimes they're, they're just so bad. I mean,
0: especially shooters.
1: Um, yeah. And this was legit. It was really fucking good. So
0: I'm, I wasn't expecting this. I'm glad you kept it secret. I'm glad I didn't know about this before because I'd just be thinking about it. Spec Ops The Line, I'm gonna disappoint you, is essentially the book that you I'm pretty sure you claimed you just couldn't get through.
1: I know what you're about to say. Heart right. of Darkness. Heart of Darkness, yeah.
0: Apocalypse now, Heart of Darkness.
1: Spec Ops the Line. Conrad. Conrad is the name of is it the author or is Joseph Conrad wrote it. Okay, and there's a character named Conrad in Spec Ops the Line. It's all making sense now. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I wasn't reading Heart of Darkness in college when I was looking it up. I was reading some other kind of, like, moral crime book. I'm sure it was from one of my criminal justice classes or English or something. But Spectrum's the Line is... You're right. It has a good story. When I watched the playthrough, I was like, this is a pretty, like, involved story. There's a lot of... Usually, you only find moral choices in games in, like, Fallout or, like, uh, games where there's... It's like an RPG. Like, you know, or, like, Far Cry, I guess, is a shooter that has like game choices usually shooters just go into the lane of this is what's going on you're gonna stop it and so like you know call of duty is really just propaganda but this was good because it had that moral day i'm sure the twist which it this game is years removed i don't care if you've played it or not it's like a decade old the, the white phosphorus right that's a yeah. real thing like that is a real thing that's why this game was kind of like not shelved but like not It didn't take off. That you know, media doesn't really want to. That is a real thing. Using white phosphorus in in warfare is something we have done. That is bad. You using that, you mean people suffer when they use. You know, that's it's war. And that game, including it in that, was very hyper meta, like very meta for for a shooter. You're getting these kids to think about war while they're playing a war game. That's that doesn't happen anymore so that's why that i think that game was so good the story took the time to be like let's approach this from a like kind of it's not like hyper realistic i wouldn't say that but at least like let's come up with a moral situation it in actually a, in has, a shooter. Game.
1: it actually has something to say which just most video games do not yeah i would agree with that yeah um but I, if you can get it for $4, I don't know what it regularly
0: retails at. Yeah, get it. If you like Gears of War especially, I would agree with this Community Tries. I mean, like, good game, Heart of Darkness, only one person can have the Heart of Darkness, make your choice, blah, blah,
1: blah. Best way to play it would probably be either PC or if you have an Xbox backwards compatible. That's what I did. But you bought a digital copy, right? I did buy a digital yeah, copy. So, yeah. um, you can just buy it right on the Xbox store. But I have one more Community Tries, which is i mean i don't even know how to explain it but uh i'm just gonna say sally rooney books she's this uh irish author and all of her stories are very much like relationship-based people having conversations stuff like that novels if you will they are i would say they're firmly adult novels but it's all saucy yes now um her most famous work is called Normal People. There's a Hulu show, short series. The Hulu show is incredible. Really? Yes, it's legitimately amazing. Um, I
0: don't hear a lot of Hulu recommendations from anybody. I'm glad you brought this up.
1: Yeah, Hulu. Uh, I don't know why there's not the mayor recommendations. I mean, they have they have all of FX. Like, they have a good selection. They kind of cornered the live TV thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So but t- um, tell
0: me about Normal People. Tell me about why should I read Sally Rooney?
1: Well. For one, she's very young, still kind of considered an up-and-comer, even though I think she has three books at this point, Uh, and I like being in on that. She's Irish, and I'm Irish, so I care about that, and most of these stories, if not all of them, take place in Ireland. Okay. Um, Normal People, I think, is the most accessible work, because it's literally just following two people as they go basically from high school into adulthood and how their relationship changes. It's really good. I'm reading her first book right now that's called Conversations with Friends. That's basically just about like two girls that are friends and navigating like sex and love and shit. Like exactly what you would expect it to be. But it, it's all very, it's all very like smart. It's not like a gossipy way of doing it. It's like we're actually trying to think about what it's like to be a person in these right, situations. Right, right. Um, and I like that shit. Um, but yeah. Sally Rooney books. How Watch would you, normal people on Hulu. How would
0: you compare the book you're reading now? What did you, conversations with friends? The way you described it. Do you remember in the time of the butterflies, in Kanya, the time Three girls in the in in Mac, Mexico or or I'm gonna butcher this.
1: They're dealing with like a like a dictator, a political in that war, book. Yeah, while no. navigating
0: coming to age and yeah. womanhood and all that. Yeah. So there's no backdrop to conversations with friends of political you know despair but you know
1: yeah no they're not having that backdrop is, is crucial uh in in the difference between those two books i don't think i can compare them especially since i don't remember in the time of the butterflies very well yeah you didn't read a lot of the required reading yes you? i did i just your life no that's fine that's um fine. yeah i have nothing more to say on that
0: all right sally rooney that's new knowledge to me so i'm always looking for good authors to pick up Euphoria. Um, Spec Ops The Line. And and you. And you. Yeah. All right, everybody. This is a pretty good, chunky episode. This has been Past Assault, number 59. You can find us pretty much anywhere sp- podcasts are listened to, but I know vast majority Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're definitely on there. Anchor, I should mention them. They're still d- our distributor. Um, I'm going to try to do this every week once a week do it just get it done we're gonna try some of the episodes will be recorded ahead of time and that's all
1: i got can i uh plug my stuff real quick owen's gonna plug his stuff uh if you're interested in gaming videos where i talk about games you're not like watching me like watching my stream it's not or a anything. stream yeah yeah it's all like critical conversations about games i'm just owen shannon on youtube you can find me pretty easily and uh yeah bny gaming podcast that, that also exists. I just feel like it's like a gateway drug. Like, if you like my gaming videos, then, <laughs> then you'll go to the podcast. The podcast is, there's like a barrier of entry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. I'll see you next time, everybody.